It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello and welcome to the Real Salt Lake podcast here at the Hive Sports. Here with Ethan Kershaw, myself. Follow me at Ethan Kershaw Nine on Twitter, and I'm joined along with Alex Mauer. Follow him at Alex Mauer on Twitter. Breaking down all things Real Salt Lake for you this week. We had a lots, lots of ups, lots of downs, highs, lows, lots of emotions going on this week. But first of all, Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. <laughs> that was a really that game took a lot out of me. That San Jose match, to say to say the least. Yeah, yeah. We'll, what about we'll talk, what about yourself though? We'll we'll talk a little in depth more about that game and um, you know obviously just a, a crushing result. And I'm probably doing about as good as I possibly can right now. Uh, we've got Halloween, I guess. You know, a lot of Halloween festivities uh, this weekend, which. It's something that's fun to look to, maybe take my mind off of uh, soccer for a little bit, which I, I probably need a little bit of a break after uh, everything that's happened today. But, um, you know, g- as good as I possibly can. So, I mean, you know, there's still hope right for the future right with, with the team. And, um, you know, we've, we've got work, we've got a work cut out for us, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, we're just, uh, just chugging along here. Uh, like I, I mentioned to you earlier, I cleaned out my shed this week, which was uh, something that was much hey, younger. It was, uh, there's full of, uh, lots of bugs and spiders and um, I, I don't know why but I just hate spiders a lot and so uh, kind of <laughs> overcame a, a fear of mine today or the other day so you know well not, good not, for not you <laughs> we, we appreciate taking risks here as <laughs> yeah, Albert Reese would of... say in post-game comments <laughs> exactly I was about to say speaking of taking risks but, but yeah absolutely um We've got a lot to cover today, like uh, Alex foreshadowed a little bit. We've got um, some recaps for some games we're going to look at today. Um, also, a new segment they're going to be introducing on the podcast today Ooh. and talk about the next Real Salt Lake game. But before we jump into all of that, let's go ahead and get started with our favorite segment of the day. Here presented to you by Alex Maurer is going to be the Monarch Minute. Yeah, so not a whole lot of Monarchs news. Their season will come to a close in just about two hours. We are recording this right as their game kicks off. Against New Mexico United, the Monarchs will go down as the worst in their mountain conference with five wins, seven draws, and 19 losses, pending a win against, or, you know, a result against New Mexico United. So they did not have on paper the season that we're used to the Monarchs having. But again, as I've said time and time again, this is the season I prefer from the Monarchs. We've got a ton of young guys getting bled, a ton of guys with their first minutes in games, their first minutes as professionals, things like that. So the Monarchs have had a really productive season, I would say, more so than I think they've ever had before. And kind of as this new wave has come in, we've seen the departure of Captain James Moberg, who has announced his retirement. He is the longest tenured Monarchs player in history, and he is just a general club legend for them. So it was kind of sad to see him go, but excited to see this new transformation of the Monarchs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James Moberg, uh, you know, hats off to the guy. Uh, obviously, a part of the USL Championship winning team um, for the Monarchs, and so um, you know, hats off to a good career for the guy. Uh, happy for him and everything he's done. And like you said, you know, a lot of development uh, within the academy within uh, the Monarchs, and so it's you know, it's always good. It's always good to have that depth 
um, just available there for, you know, rainy days. And speaking of rainy days, there might be some of those to come in the offseason for Real Salt Lake. We shall <laughs> see what the front office does. But, um, yeah, it's always a possibility. So, um, so I, I, I talked about a new segment that we want to go ahead and, and get into uh, here at the Hive Sports Podcast. And, um, you know, every now and then uh, we, we have a, an opportunity as um, as members of the media to be able to interview uh, players for Real Salt Lake. And um, so we thought, you know, it might be a good opportunity to introduce a new segment called Star Spotlight, where we go ahead and take a deeper look into some of the players for Real Salt Lake, kind of talk about, you know, their lives and um, kind of their likes, their dislikes, help you get to know the players a little bit better off the pitch. And so um, this week uh, I had the, the really cool opportunity to, to be able to talk to Everton Louise um, obviously Everton, you know, doesn't speak fantastic English. And so I was able to conduct the full uh, interview in Portuguese. Um, so if I posted the audio, a lot of you probably wouldn't be able to understand anything, but that's okay. <laughs> Myself because... included. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's okay. Cause we've, we've got it all translated out here for you. Um, I'll basically just summarize kind of what he said. Um, so I talked to him about FIFA and I was like, you know, do you ever like pay attention kind of the, to the game FIFA? And he's like, yeah, a little bit. And so I said, Hey, you know what your FIFA card this year at a, a lower rating of, of 68 and your pace is actually a total of 48 out of 100 said, how do you feel about that and he said you know obviously i wish that the rating and overall could be better but it's really cool to be able to grow up and watch players that i loved and adored playing in the actual game and now i myself am in the actual game um so just a really cool thing to see and really grateful for that um you'll, you'll find that everton is a very humble a very kind nice guy even though sometimes on the field you might not think that because of how physical and how fierce he plays out in the field but i'm um, really really cool guy um also i asked him what his favorite moment of this entire year was and he identified the moment of the game-winning goal where anderson julio scored the game winner against the la galaxy this year he said we were tied the whole game, really tense, really nervy. And then near the very end of the game, Anderson Julio gets the game winner in the 95th minute. Um, so he said that was the best moment for me and a really important win. Um, I also talked to him about his favorite Brazilian uh, player ever. And he identified, well, you know, it's the guy who's obviously a lot of people's favorite player, uh, Ronaldinho Gaúcho. In case you don't remember him, Ronaldinho played for Barcelona. Very good player for a very long time. He also identified him as the player that he would most like to play with in the history of soccer. Um, so really cool moment to see him talk about how much he loved Ronaldinho and how much he kind of idolized this guy growing up. Um, I also talked to him about how he played over in Serie A in Italy and how that, uh, that transformation over to the MLS was for him. He said, you know, obviously there's a lot of great players over in Serie A, um, some, some fantastic world beaters. But he said over here in the MLS, it's, it's great. There's a lot of uh, growth, a lot of people coming into the league. And so um, while the MLS isn't quite on the same level as Serie A, he said, there's a lot of things that are the same. Um, he kind of talked about, too, the discipline. He said, in Serie A, you have to be so tactically disciplined and know your role at all times. He said, here in the MLS, it just gave me a really nice uh, chance to adapt. He said, I adapted very quickly when I came over to the MLS. It was very easy to pick up my assignments and know exactly what I needed to do. And um, obviously, we're seeing that that flawless transformation from Serie A to MLS. Everton's been playing fantastic this year. Finally, I asked him what his role will be in the next three games. Heading into the playoffs, he identified rest and hard work as a, a, really, a really big balance. He said, you really need to balance those two things, work, rest. And then when you're resting, 
make sure that you're going to be getting ready for work. And when you come to work, make sure you give it your all and make sure you get those results. That's what I need to do to be able to help this team get in the playoffs. So Everton, fantastic moment to talk with him about kind of his life, his viewpoints, and, uh, you know, kind of see where his mindset is going into these, these next couple games. Yeah, he's going to need to be a huge piece for us if we want to pick up some of these really important points and a guy that I wish we had kind of seen more of over that San Jose game. Uh, But I digress. Yeah, no, that was really cool. He's in good work (laughs) and good Portuguese skills because that is very (laughs) useful because there are not too many of us out there that could go out and interview Everton Luis. So that's really cool. Yeah, really lucky moment there. And uh, just grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk to him. I think this was like one of his only interviews ever. I talked to him briefly earlier in the year, too. But yeah, awesome opportunity to talk to the guy and, uh, you know, really cool dude. So um, speaking of Everton. He was able to draw the start in the first game that we're going to be recapping, which is the FC Dallas game. This game was really frustrating. I I feel like it was such a tale of two halves. And Alex, you asked Albert last week about, you know, the second half of their game before this one. I think it was against the Chicago Fire. And Albert said, you know, I, I felt like we were dominating that game. And he said, you felt like we were dominating? Like, didn't look like domination to me. And Albert kind of fired back at you and said, no, it was domination. This game was definitely a tale of two halves. And I would say, like you had mentioned as well, this second half, they did dominate. First half was really bad. Second half was really good. What are some of your thoughts on this game? I wouldn't even know that I'd go so far as to say the second half was a domination, but this last 10 10 minutes minutes. was certainly a domination. This was such a weird game in very similar ways to, I think the San Jose game was weird, but what we've heard from, you know, Brian Dunseth, and I've quoted this before, these Jekyll and Hyde performances where game to game RSL looks so different. But in these last two games, within the game itself, RSL has looked so different at times. And yeah. in the first half against FC Dallas, we were just slow. We looked as if we hadn't, you know, woken up in our beds. Like <laughs> Pablo says is one of the difficulties of playing on the road is not waking up in your own bed. We certainly looked that way. And it was yeah. looking as if we were going to go down on the road lose six points against Chicago and FC Dallas when in fact we somehow found a way to turn it around. It was really a Justin Merrim substitute performance that got us there. Who is a guy I've been really critical of throughout this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess it was kind of nice to be proven wrong there, but it, I, I can't even explain because it wasn't like we had, you know, we were peppering them with opportunities and shots. It was just truly, we finished the chances we got and we stuck with it and we came away with a win in a very difficult place to win despite FC Dallas's you know standings currently but but yeah it was it was a huge win it was a huge victory and i'm i'm frankly stunned we came away with it we had all of six shots on goal the entire game uh so i i i'm i'm just i'm excited i'm happy i'm glad we won that game but it was unfortunately kind of soured by the san jose result which you know i don't want to get ahead of us we're on we're on fc dallas but it was it was tough it was it's tough to to kind of look back at it and see what could have been but this definitely helped keep our playoff hopes alive and definitely it was a must win that we ended up winning so you know you kind of tip your cap and you move on to the next one I'll fast forward real quick to just a part of the San Jose game in the post-game press conference. Pablo said, at times, we let ourselves get too emotionally involved and attached in what's going on in the game, and we sometimes forget what's going on strategically. That is exactly how I felt in this game for FC Dallas when 
the first half, I, I maybe it was a little reactionary. I went out on Twitter and I tweeted, you know what? This just does not look like a playoff team in Real Salt Lake at all. It doesn't. They were flat. Like you said, they had no energy. I almost wonder if part of it had to do with Bobby Wood not having started in such a long time. Same with Jonathan Menendez hadn't started in a while, Matt Beasley or Nick Beasler. And so, I mean, you just, you know, you get some of those guys that hadn't get gotten starting minutes lately in the starting lineup on, on paper looked like a pretty good starting lineup, but yeah, it just came out really flat. And I was, I was done, frankly, at halftime. I thought, you know, this is not looking good. Um, just in case you missed the game, Matt Hedges gets a goal in the 20th minute um, off a cross into the box. Uh, David Ochoa comes running out to try and stop it, but totally misses the ball and Hedges just head chips the ball right over Ochoa into an empty net. So that was really frustrating to see. But as you mentioned, last 10 minutes, we turned it on, Justin Merrim getting a subject in the game, an injection of, he's not, not necessarily got any pace, but I will say sparks <laughs> in this game and very accurate passing. Justin Merrim comes into this game, completely changes everything. First of all, gets a fantastic shot on a goal that bounces off the crossbar. Uh, some of us thought it was going in. It was really, really close. And then just moments later, he gets a fantastic cross, or I guess dink chip um, over the over in the box into Demir Krylock. Demir Krylock gets a foot on it, just barely, and puts it in the net in the 80th minute. And then the moment that we had all been waiting for in that game that we some of us thought would never come was Justin Merrim again, a one-two punch with Albert Rusnak. You know Rusnak loves those one-two punches there, but Rusnak gets the ball to Merrim. Merrim puts it back to Rusnak, and Rusnak gets a foot on the ball, streams just across the front line, across the face of goal. Jimmy Maurer, the goalkeeper, can't do anything to stop it. Rusnak gets the game-winning goal in the 90th minute, which, you know, feels like we've had a lot of those game winners in the 90th minute this year. Um, so thankfully picking up the full three points in Dallas in this one. Um, you know, my thoughts were, like I said, it was a rough game, but I'm so happy and thankful and kind of a miracle in this one that we ended up getting the three points. Do you have any final thoughts on this game, Alex? Yeah, it felt like a real momentum builder and so yeah it, it's kind of hard recording this with the full knowledge of what happens in that game in hand against san jose because this really did feel like a turning point for the season this felt like yeah. we went on the road we finally did what we can't do and win a game in a hostile environment hostile there's like 20 fans in fc dallas's stadium and all the way <laughs> where are they like arlington or something yeah but we went into a place we don't normally win and we got a win and it was feeling good and we come out and I'm going to move us on to the the San Jose game because we we took a lot of that energy into the San Jose game and started really, really sure. strong. And I truly believe that the first 30 minutes of the San Jose game is some of the best soccer we have played the entirety of this season. We looked so good and we were creating so many chances and we scored early, which we don't often do. And it's so it's it's such a cliche that you never want to concede a goal right before halftime. But mm -hmm. truly, I think that was kind of our undoing is that we let in two really, really soft goals right before halftime. And then it just kind of all fell apart from there. But it was just a different, the mentality that we've talked about so much this year with guys like Mastroeni and Albert and other players that have, you know, mentioned it, the mentality looked there from the start of the game. And we looked like we were going to absolutely pummel the quakes. And then, it just kind of all falls apart. I think it starts with the transition from Cade Cal started on the left and then he moved over to the right. And then he was going at Justin Glad and Justin Merrim instead of Andrew Brody and Aaron Herrera. And that just completely opened up the game for the quakes. 
And I just, it, it was, it was dumbfounding. It was hard to watch how clear they had taken advantage of something that we were doing poorly and to not really see a reaction from us via a sub or a tactical adjustment. I mean, you can move Andrew Brody over to the left to provide, you know, a little bit of extra defensive cover that I don't think Justin Merrim is capable of. I'm watching the highlights right now on the ESPN and Kate Cowell absolutely dices up Justin Glad multiple times this game. And from a guy that is, you know, one of our better defenders statistically, and one of our highest earning defenders, Justin Glad, you expect a lot more than what we got from him today. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know that it's a 3-5-2. You mean in some of these 1v1 situations, he's playing a similar role to what he would always be playing. But it is a question to be asked of what tactics went wrong to lose a game against a team that's already been eliminated. I mean, we had three games against teams that have already been eliminated from the playoffs, and we only picked up three points. It's, it's yeah. frankly, it's just unacceptable what we came away with from this really, really soft schedule that we had. I mean, I get it. You've got five games in 16 days or whatever the stat is, but to not be able to pick up points at home against a depleted team, missing trophies who scored, you know, a hat trick on us last time out and playing at home. It's just, I, it's really frustrating. It's I've, I've rambled, but you, you tell me what you think, but it's, I, I just, it's hard to be optimistic about these games against Portland and sporting Kansas city with the way that we finished that game against the quakes. No, man, I agree with you. It was a, uh, it was a head scratching performance to say the very least. Um, you did identify the the second goal, you know, as really being a, a momentum changer. I would even say that there was a, a very clear momentum shift and you'd mentioned him, Kate Cowell getting switched over to, believe they switched him over to what the right side of the field he was playing on the left side that's where he at least started the game out and he was not having any success over there against Aaron Herrera and Andrew Brody on that same side yep Brody and Herrera were absolutely shutting him down I turned to you and I said who is this uh, this Cade Cal guy is on like the top 20 list of like u 22 players in the MLS like what's what's wrong with this guy he doesn't look like he's even close to that and then we, we saw him shift over to the right-hand side. He switched, uh, I believe it was Carlos Fierro, who ended up getting the first goal in this game, switched him sides. And then over there against Justin Glad and Justin Merrim, he clearly had the pace advantage, just the positioning. He was all over those two guys in the back. Um, and for me, that's where the momentum shifted. Now, I didn't see any real tactical adjustments from Pablo when that happened. Um, Pablo even identified it in the post-game presser. He said there were several times where Kate Cowell's just naked over on the sideline, just wide open, and there's nobody even close to him. And so I'm glad that at least Pablo Mastroni could could see that himself. But I don't know um, necessarily. I guess I'm trying to understand why there wasn't an earlier strategic change in that. Um, and so as a result, like you mentioned, Albert Rusnak gets the first goal. We're feeling good. We dominated the first 30 minutes of this one. And then Carlos Fierro tags one back, ties it at 1-1. And then Chris Wondolowski gets his header goal near post, which was extremely deflating right before halftime. But we came out of halftime, though, and, you know, I thought, hey, they, they might be able to turn it around. Albert Rusnak and the post-game presser said it himself. He said, you know, we've been down at halftime lots of times this season. We said we could turn this around. You know, there's nothing in it for us. There's no, there's no reason for us to give up here. We've done this before. We've been here. We can do this. And it didn't really go their way in the 69th minute. Kate Cowell gets his goal. You know, Kid Cal had a fantastic game in this one. And then just 10 minutes later, 
Jackson Yule really puts the, the dagger in our hearts in the 79th minute and uh, his celebration, a little bit of taunting there. Kinda, I loved hurt. his celebration. I you loved it, his man, celebration. RSL Nation hated it, man. They hey, RSL really Nation, don't it. throw things onto the field. We complain about this every time <laughs> it happens somewhere else. I hate seeing that. I hate seeing yeah. that. Don't throw your cups on the field. First of all, that beer was like $13. Why would you waste it like that? But also, just don't throw things at players on the field. It's so disrespectful, <laughs> and it's like my biggest pet peeve in the world. But I digress. Yeah, yeah no, I, it was frustrating. We're down four, four, one at that point. And then Michael Ching, you know, we, we went on like a, like an all out attack. We took out, I believe, Demir Krylock for Bobby Wood. So we had like Bobby Wood and we had Anderson Julio uh, playing up top. I think even Rubio Rubin was, was he still in the game? No, he got subbed out as well. So, but I mean, we just, we just pushed everybody forward. And finally we uh, got a goal, a nice little Michael Ching uh, kind of pass into the side netting, um, which put us down four, two. And then um, a little too late, but Albert gets a goal in the 93rd minute. Maybe feel a little bit better about the scoreline. Still hurts so bad because after he scored that, you could tell we had the momentum. And maybe if there was like five more minutes, we could have probably tied this game. But like, we just ran out of time. The ref blew the whistle and it was over. So a uh, pretty frustrating game. Yeah, I unbelievably frustrating, I would say, especially with what was on the line. This was yep. the opportunity to go out and go get a home playoff game. And that is that opportunity is pretty much evaporated now yep. with a loss to a team that was eliminated already. It's so frustrating just to think about it, especially with these afternoon games, like the game's over at three and I have to think about this all day now. Like it's so <laughs> frustrating. Um, but yeah, it, it's curious that Pablo would go out and prove that he understood Cade Cowell being alone on the wing was a problem but we didn't see anything to actually address it. And this is something I've brought up with Maram before is that that switch was clearly to go attack that side because they felt it was weaker defensively because as everybody that was watching this game saw, Kate Cowell was a non-factor going against Brody and Herrera. And then as soon as he switches over to Glad and Miram, he's the best player on the field. And so if Miram isn't offering you any more defensive cover or if he's a clear liability that the other team is targeting, why not just have Johnny Menendez out there to at least be more of an attacking threat or to at least provide more on the counter? Because there are multiple times throughout this game where we just didn't have the pace to get forward and get numbers behind the ball or get numbers in front of the ball. And I think Merrim's a part of that. It's just, it's really curious that there was no switch from RSO tactically at all, but I'm, I'm I'm struggling to come up with something that I think will change in the next couple matches. I think at this point we've seen what Pablo is as a coach and we kind of know what to expect. I would expect more Nick Beasler against Portland. I would expect more Justin Miram against Portland mm -hmm. just because I don't think we've really seen anything different. It's unfortunate in this game for many reasons that, Noah Powder isn't available because of his suspension, which he thoroughly deserved. And I am absolutely 0% sympathetic to that. But if you were unaware, he got suspended for three games for drunk driving and going like yeah. 120 or something. So he absolutely deserves that suspension. Mm -hmm. But he, it would be a good opportunity for him to have gotten minutes here because I think he oh, does yeah. provide a little bit more defensive cover. But then it's counteract or counterintuitive to what 
Pablo has said before, where he if he has to defend with five, he'd rather just defend with four. Mm-hmm. But in a game like this, we really needed to be able to defend with five, and we clearly couldn't do it, and we got caught out, and we got scored on on the counter in, in ways that just this shouldn't happen. And then, you know, Nick Beasler loses a ball 18 yards from goal and we get, we get the fourth one tacked on, but it's, it's frustrating. And at least we ended strong, but I don't think there's any consolation there for the players or for the fans really. But, but yeah, one one of my biggest takeaways was that for how much we talk about mentality and not just we, but I, I mean the players and the coaches that we talk to in every post game and every, practice and things like that there isn't a guy out there that i think is truly leading the way on that and i asked albert about that in the post game i said as captain you know in these games where things are starting to like very quickly go very wrong what is your role to help adjust to the team adjust the team to kind of fix fix some of these issues and get the team moving back in the right direction. And he pretty much deflected and said, he doesn't have the responsibility to fix individual mistakes, mm-hmm. which is correct. Yeah. Of course, if we get scored on Albert through sheer leadership, can't, you know, wipe that goal off the scoreboard. Right. But at no point did he ever make a, make a really hard tackle to set the tone or calm the game down through simple possession or, you know, pull a guy up and, you know, after a bad mistake like Nick Beasler's and get him back playing his game. And and maybe all of these intangible things are just so cliche and they don't actually mean anything, but a guy like Kyle Beckerman, if, if the game, if we, you know, let a 50 or a 45 plus three minute goal in right before halftime, I think he would be losing his mind on the way to the locker room and he would come out flying to start the second half. And we just didn't have that from our captain. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not throwing, you know, I'm not saying four goals from the Quakes was all Albert's fault, all Albert's fault, but I do think there is some sort of leadership that needs to be displayed there to kind of, I mean, I guess he scores a goal in the 93rd minute, so hats off to him there, but it's, it's, I don't know that it just feels like a little bit of a missing piece for RSL. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, And, you know, just overall kind of deflating, loss here um it's a bottom tier team man it's a bottom tier team we're at home i felt so confident about this team's playoffs chances heading into this game and uh, trey fitzgerald even told me 88 percent chance for us to make the playoffs before this game i'm sure that number has gone down quite a bit um there's obviously still a chance against portland at home on wednesday um is going to be the next game and you know we, we definitely need to get a win in that one I guess Albert was a must-win game. He said, you know, every game we, we want to get a win and every game we feel like it's a must-win game. Um, but that one's going to be a really tough game. And then also sporting Casey on the road, extremely tough game as well. We need some results coming up. Otherwise, this team's not going to make the playoffs. And so it's a little, uh, little nerve-wracking. Um, looking forward towards the next game, we've got Portland on the docket. It's going to be a home game for Real Salt Lake. Um, it's going to be at 8 p.m. Mountain, Mountain Standard Time. Um, so a little bit of a later game on Wednesday night, last home game of the season. So hope to see all of you Utahns there and supporting Real Salt Lake. Um, before we, uh, we finish today though, uh, I think in the true Halloween spirit of things like Jigsaw said, Alex, I want to play a game with you real quick. <laughs> um, ready. just, just kind of asking you about some players and I want, want to know from you what, what you think about them. Do you feel like this player is a solidified starter? best off the bench or just a bench warmer entirely 
Okay. 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 So let's go ahead and start off with Justin Mara. What do you think? Bench warmer. Bench warmer. Okay. I well, yeah, feel... well, that's 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 so hard to say after the FC Dallas game <laughs> where he came on and right, you know, bags two assists. But I just think there's better options off uh, off the bench. I think Anderson Julio has now become a forward when he can still play the wing. I mean, he was brought here to play the wing. I don't know why we haven't seen him there. And I would put him over Merrim on the wing. Chang reluctantly, I would put over him on the wing. Yeah, Brody Powder. Uh, Menendez at this point. So, yeah, I would say bench warmer for Merrim going forward. I'd have to agree with you, except for in specific scenarios, uh, game flow scenarios, maybe where we need to kind of calm down possession and just hold it. I like Justin Merrim in that spot. But otherwise, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, let's see. What about Bobby Wood? Uh, so, I've, I, I've, I've made my case for this before, but I think Bobby Wood should be a starter. I think it's it's obviously tough with only two games left and him not being at, you know, probably peak game fitness. But I think a forward partnership of him and Rubin and, you know, maybe Dami underneath and Albert on a wing, and I don't love Albert on a wing, but I think that could work a little bit more in this formation where he can get inside a little bit more often. I think I think I think he should be a starter. I also don't think he offers very much coming off the bench just because his look doesn't change that much from some of the other guys if we're chasing a game it's probably going to be anderson julio yeah. if we're winning a game it's probably just going to continue to be rubin if he's on so uh, i would like to see him start up top with rubin i think against portland would be a good time to try that but i i doubt we will i'm sure dami will be up top with rubin i agree with you i like him as a starter except i actually like him replacing rubin hate me all you want but i like no Bobby go for it yeah absolutely yeah. i think that'd be interesting so um, we already know Anderson Julio. We've talked in length about him. Uh, I think we both like him best off the bench, and I think that's kind of where he best plays at. But what about a guy like Jonathan Menendez? Do you think this guy belongs in the starting lineup? It's really tough for me with Jonathan Menendez because he came on in this game and had a decent chunk of minutes and really didn't look all that bright. He had a couple opportunities. I think he was involved on one of the assists late in the game, but for me those were kind of a wash regardless. I don't know. As Pablo said, he was kind of a victim of the formation change and the formation is clearly here to stay. And I like Brody on the wing. I would probably rather have Anderson on the other wing. Um, but I think, I think he deserves the spot over Merriman. And I tweeted that out before the game as I was kind of confused as to why Merriman gets the nod again. And maybe it comes down to just having, not played that very many minutes, very many minutes going into this match and after three days of rest, but no, I think he should be a starter. Yeah. I, um, you know, I agree with you. I like Jonathan Menendez um, actually playing on kind of that right wing back. If he plays in tandem with Aaron Herrera, obviously not the best defense in the world, but um, kind of like him a little more over something that Andrew Brody gave us today. Um, and so I, I think he could be better than that. Um, let's, let's finish with our last guy and, this may be a little controversial, but I think I know where we're both headed on this one. We might agree. Uh, what about Nick Beasler? That's tough because Everton and Pablo have had kind of random games where they just cannot control the midfield. And for long stretches, Nick Beasler was really good in this game, specifically the first 30 minutes when RSL as a whole looked really good, but he was, he was a little overrun a lot overrun, frankly, in the second half. So 
man, I don't know. Cause he also had some pretty poor passes outside of the one that led to the goal. Mm-hmm. And people always say he's, you know, the narrative around him is that he's this good possession player. And I, it's kind of like the same thing with Merrim where people always say he's better at defense, but do we actually know that that's true? Or is that just something we've said so many times we now, right. we now believe. So I don't know entirely where I would fall on Nick Beasler. I don't think he should necessarily be frozen out, but I do prefer Pablo and Everton yeah, as that midfield pairing. So I guess if you're going to make me choose, I would say he should probably be on the bench behind Everton and Pablo. Yeah, if I had to lean towards uh, in the next game, the starting lineup at the defensive midfield spot, I would take Pablo Ruiz and Everton Ruiz at those defensive midfield spots. Uh, I think Nick Beasler is, um, you know, unless he's coming in to give Pablo Ruiz or Everton Ruiz a break, uh, Batman is best left. (laughs) Yeah, I like him. I like him as a sub to kind of come in and slow things down. So maybe I shouldn't say bench, but but yeah, I would I would say from a substitute for him would be where I would prefer to see things. But obviously squad rotation is big, especially with these, what is it, five games in some amount of days. So I understand why he probably got the start tonight. Yeah, I I agree. Situationally, I think there's times he can come on. But, you know, I haven't necessarily seen enough to consider this guy, you know, a a solidified starter or even your elite status at all. But, um, you know, we, we are hoping for the best in this next game against Portland. Like we said, Wednesday night will be a really, really big game, really big result for Real Salt Lake. So make sure to tune in and watch that game. We'll be covering everything for Real Salt Lake next week with the uh, the Portland game and our next week's podcast. And then after that, the final week's podcast talking about the Sporting Kansas City game. And hopefully we'll be able to continue to join you all talking Real Salt Lake for the playoffs. But uh, we shall see about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Any final remarks before we end the episode today, Alex? I got nothing. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. I really appreciate your time. I am Ethan Kershaw. Follow me at Ethan Kershaw 9 on Twitter and follow Alex Maurer at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Um, ask us any questions you want. We can ask questions of the players if you want us to. You know, let us know uh, what you want to know about the team. We'll do our best to help you out. But, uh, again, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will talk to you all next week. Hope you all have a fantastic weekend and a fun Halloween, and we'll talk to you all later. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.